Hello everyone and welcome to Black, White and In Color. I am your host, Shanoa Alamu. I love discussing topics that get people talking and sharing stories from everyday people. My opinions have been featured on CNN and Huffington Post. So please join me for this week's episode of Black, White and In Color. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Black, White, and In Color. I am coming to you all the way from Glasgow, Scotland, believe it or not. Um, I got here on last Friday, and I am here to visit my fiance. And while this is my fourth time visiting, I also brought my two children. Um, my fiance has four girls, and so all of the kids are meeting together uh, for the first time. And so perhaps I'll do an episode on what that has been like um, for us so far. But yeah, I'm, I'm coming to you all the way from the UK. And I have a very special guest with me, um, with me. And I always say all of my guests are special, but I am just so immensely honored um, to have this lady with me. Um, I have none other than Kirsten Powers with me. Um, she is an author, USA Today columnist, and CNN senior political analyst, where she appears regularly across the channel, including Anderson Cooper 360, CNN Tonight with Don Lemon, and The Lead with Jake Tapper. Powers also co-hosts The Faith Angle with religion reporter Jonathan Merritt, where the focus is on the intersection of faith and politics. Prior to her career in journalism, Powers was a political appointee in the Clinton administration from 1993 to 1998, where she served as deputy assistant U.S. Trade Representative for Public Affairs. She's currently working on a book entitled Grace for Crown Publishing, is a native of Fairbanks, Alaska, and currently resides in Washington, D.C. She's also the proud dog mom of Lucy <laughs> and Bill. Welcome, Kirsten. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? You got the most important oh, thing, Lucy and Bill. I know, right? You know, that's actually, um, I want to say that, well, other than just, you know, reading your views on, on race and things on Instagram, but I remember when, um, you know, you had a dog to, to pass and you mm -hmm. brought, you know, Lucy and introduced the world to Lucy. And I had a dog, um, same breed, same coloring, everything, just like Lucy. And so I've probably been drawn to your page Aww. more for Lucy. <laughs> Nevertheless, um, I, I remember still, um, I've, I've kind of gotten away from the news, um, to be honest with you, just because of what's going on and, mm -hmm. and me being a more sensitive, uh, empathic person. It just wasn't um, good for my emotional and mental health. And so I really didn't know who you were, if I can mm -hmm. be honest. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> And so, but what I did notice is when you would put, um, you know, your views or perspectives or your showing uh, solidarity 
um, to black people or speaking out against white supremacy and whatnot, um, the backlash that mm -hmm. I that I read and, and the things that you said, you know, people were saying was just really baffling to me because I had not seen that. You know, I've I've seen you know black people, of course, who stand up against racism and and just the the rocks or the backlash that they've gone through. But I don't know if I've ever witnessed it. Um, happening to a white person, a white woman, you know, in your situation. Mm -hmm. And so I was really, really shocked and surprised. And then um, that's when I began to dig, like, well, who is this woman? You know, apparently she must be somebody, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so as, as I mentioned, I really don't have any questions for you. I mean, of course, I'm, I mean, you know, just within myself, I do. Yeah. But I really want to talk to you about allyship you know because there's so much talk about um you know making a stand you know you have corporations or organizations and companies like from starbucks to amazon um chick-fil-a or just whoever you know they, they seem to have come out of the woodworks you know especially as it relates to the murders of george floyd and brianna taylor right. And so I really want to focus on that. You know, you're in a high profile, you have a high profile position. You are, you know, a well-known person. And I guess from, from that perspective, just from that position or just from that station, um, hope I'm making sense, in, in our society, yeah. what does allyship mean to you? How did it start for you, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think that I, you know, I don't know that I even trying to think of even when I first heard that term, you know, allyship. Um, I guess I, I always sort of felt, I don't know what you would call, you know, I, I didn't call it allyship, right, because I didn't know that word, but I felt that okay. sentiment, right, that oh. idea you huh? have a responsibility to stand up for other people, um, you know, if you're in a position of influence, like what's the point, right? For me, what's the right. point of having a platform if you're not standing up for people who are being ignored? And so, and that, and that applies to all sorts of different kinds of people, right? And it doesn't, and not even just kinds of people, but people in certain particular situations, you know, people who don't have health insurance, for example, right? So, right. Um, and, and so I think that, um, you know, and when I became aware of the term, then I think I understood it in a different way. Whereas before, I think what I did was when something happened in my presence, I said something, right? Okay. Uh, so I'm on air, somebody says something that's problematic. Oh, I told you I was going to send you some clips and I never sent them to you. But, you know, I worked before and <laughs> I worked at Fox News and, you know, there were a lot of problematic things that were said. And so there were a lot of confrontations um, where it would sometimes get pretty out of hand, you know. And so in that situation, I, you know, if something happened, somebody said something then I would feel like, well, I'm here. I need to, you know, use my position and my platform to raise awareness around that. Um, and I continued to do that at CNN. If somebody would say something, I would, you know, I, I would speak up. But then I think I started to realize it's not enough to just wait until somebody says or does something. 
you know, uh-huh. like it has to, it, it, it's not, um, I don't need to be on air asked about it. Um, you know, I, uh-huh. and that's when I think I started posting stuff on Instagram and Twitter and just, you know, sort of, I see something or something happens, or I feel like I have, you know, want to share a perspective with people who follow me. Um, uh-huh. That to me is, was more like an active allyship, right? Or okay. where I just felt like, well, of course you just, yeah, see something, say something kind of thing, you know, versus trying to really explain to people, you know, the systemic nature of it, um, you know, that basically we all have to reckon with this, that I have to reckon with this. This is not, you know, just like, if you, you know, this whole like thing of white people always being like, I'm not racist, that's like other people. And it's like, no, it's you and it's me. Well, yeah, you know, I I hear what you're saying, you know, but it it, it seems like people, you know, if if I can just paint a broad, you know, paint something with a broad brush for a minute. It seems like people don't really have problems, um, you know, speaking up against abortion or speaking up against, um, I don't know, Muslims or speaking up against, you know, what have you. But it seems like when it comes to racism and, and white supremacy, then that's when you know, people kind of straddle the fence or, or they're afraid or, so that's why, that's what I really want to know. Like, what is it about, I guess, racism or, or maybe black people? I I don't know to where you feel that, um, that, that sense of responsibility, because you and I both know not everyone has that, especially a person of influence. Not everyone you know, we'll look at, um, you know, what happened to George Floyd, for example, right. or Breonna Taylor, and walk away with the sense of, of anger or indignation right. to say something needs to be said and done. So, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I know, and it's, um, it's funny, I have these conversations all the time with my friends of like, why do I, why have I always cared about this? Because I have. Right. Um, uh-huh. And it's, um, but kind of, you know, it's not just this though. I mean, I've always been, even back when most Democrats didn't support gay marriage, I did, right? It's like I've always, equality has always been something that's really important to me and justice. Um, mm-hmm. Now, all that said, I still got a lot wrong. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be like, oh, you know, just because I cared about this, it doesn't mean that I completely understood it. I, I really didn't understand. You know, I can remember when some of my black friends started talking about, you know, systemic racism and white supremacy and talking about, you know, certain institutions um, that are like liberal institutions being white supremacist and me kind of being like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, like, like uh-huh. I kind of had this idea that like well no like Harvard can't have a white isn't a white supremacist you know institution because they're so liberal you know so I can always gotten it you know and so Uh like I had to have things really you know explained to me um and I think and I think one of the things that I did do and I probably still do sometimes I have to sort of catch myself doing it is that you know, the idea that somehow I could possibly understand this as well as a black person does, right? You know, that it's just, it's not like, 
like really, what was I pushing back against? You know, like what was my knowledge base? <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, you... <laughs> sorry. Right. Yeah. No, so, but I'm saying it's like a process of learning. You know what I mean? And so, uh -huh. you know, I think that, um, but I can't, so, you know, when I think about it, you know, one of my friends said to me, well, do you think that you're like this? Because, you know, my, I grew up, grew up in Alaska um, and my parents were archaeologists and my mother um, spent a lot of time, well, we spent a lot of time in villages um, because we were, um, you know, my parents were basically digging up like old, uh, you know, civilizations, right? They were sort of recreating right. the history of Alaska. So those uh -huh. were, you know, mostly, you know, Eskimo or Indian or in some cases Ru Russian because Russia used to own the, you know, uh -huh. Alaska. So at any rate, right. so, I, so I did live in these sort of, you know, for summers or whatever in these, you know, in environments that were culturally very different, you know, mm -hmm. to live in a village, you know, in the, on, way up north in Alaska. And so I, I learned a lot about other cultures and, you know, and it was so different and learning that like, this is just a different way, you know, that this is like, you know, because I came to it as a white person of being like, why do they live like this? Why don't they live like us? You know? Mm -hmm. And it was always like, this is a different way, you know? And this is just as valid. And it's just as, you know, and so, and I would be brought to meet, you know, the elders and, you know, sort of taught that respect. And so, you know, some people are positive, like I sort of got it from my mom and I'm like, maybe, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I guess, yeah. you know, it's like, I can't, I just can't really say other than the fact that I just, justice and equality has just always been really important to me. And I really just, you know, when I see people suffering, I always really, I am very like empathetic and I, 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 it's like, it's happening to me. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, like when I see it, I'm just like, that's, that's me or that's my niece or that's my, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like always, it doesn't matter if they look like me. It doesn't matter if they come from a similar background. I just always like feel it. Um, and so, you know, so I think that that is kind of where it came from. And then I just have really been blessed. I have a lot of, I have a lot of black friends and it's not because I sought them out because, you know, someone was saying to me like, oh, but you probably sought them out. And well, I was like, no, I just got lucky. You know what I mean? Like I just happened, one of my closest friends for the, I have like two really good friends for the last, you know, 25 years who I worked with in the Clinton administration, you know, uh -huh. who, are, who are both black and who, you know, one of them is like, I mean, they're both family, you know, basically. Right. And one of them uh -huh. is really my best friend for, you know, most of my life. And, you know, so to be able to have these conversations and to, you know, one of them, we were office mates for two years, you know, so we talked about mm -hmm. everything. Um, so I feel like I've learned and I, you know, was able to see all these things, you know, that when people are like, you know, now people, when people start talking about like, oh, the conversation that people have to have with their kids, it's like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like I've known all this stuff, like I, you know, or the fact that my friend like couldn't get a cab home you know, because he was black, yeah. you know what I mean? Just yeah. like, just the constant yeah. kind of bullshit, you know what I mean? Like just, just seeing it all the time. And so I think that like, in that sense, uh, you know, I do wonder what I would, 
be like if I hadn't had those friendships, you know, because uh, I was able to like have these conversations and see it happening. Yes, yes. And, and I have tears in my eyes because you said something that um, I think we have lost just as people, period. And, and that is appealing to each other as human beings, if that makes sense, like mm-hmm. connecting, connecting to each other just as humans. And it sounds like to me that the relationships, you know, that you have had with people who happen to be, you know, black and what have you, that you, you just, you all had real human connections, mm-hmm. you know, and, and for some reason I, well, let me ask you this question, you know, as a person, you know, in the political world, do you feel that because racism is seen more as a political issue, whether you're, you know, a, a right winger or, le- you know, do you feel like that keeps people from connecting to each other on a human level? You know, so if you're, you know, so if you're standing up for racism or against racism, um, then you're automatically seen as a left winger. And so, yeah. you know, so what, Yeah, I guess what I'm trying to, you know what I'm trying to say? I know like, what you're trying to say, but it's very frustrating to me, you know, because it's not a political issue. And right. so, and that it's been politicized. And then the people who yeah. then accuse you of politicizing it are always on the right. And it's like, well, hold on. Like, the only reason it's political is because you've decided that you don't think it matters. Yeah. <laughs> like, that doesn't yeah. make it, you know what I mean? So it's true that there is a partisan divide on it, but like, that's uh-huh. because of you. That's not because of me. You know, that's like, don't tell me that Black Lives Matter is a partisan issue. It's not. It's, it's I mean, it, it is. It, it, it's not a political issue. It's a partisan issue because a group of people have decided uh, they don't like it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's just like, but that doesn't make it political because it's about human rights. So like exactly. human rights are not political. Like that, exactly. they're just not. And so like the idea that, you know, that, that, you, that you, you're gonna acknowledge that in this country that black lives have not been valued, you know, the way that we have valued white lives. I mean, that's just a statement of fact. It's, there's nothing, there's nothing anyone can ever say actually exactly. to dissuade me of that. And the only way that you can believe that is actually if you don't know any black people and you never read the newspaper, Mm. (laughs) you know, or know any history. (laughs) Right, exactly. And, but then you do have, you know, people such as yourself who will say, well, you know, I I have, you know, black grandchildren or I have black friends, whatever, but they still seem to be blind or they'll say, well, my black friend doesn't, feel like he's or he or she is oppressed yeah, or, right, you right. know and so I I just well I, I mean <laughs> I, yeah what I would say to people who say that kind of stuff it's like then you're not creating a space for your black friend to speak honestly mm. because I don't I mean I I have a lot of black friends I mean I, I have a couple of black friends who are tight like inner circle and then I have a lot of other black friends you know who are just you know whatever you get together for your right. birthday or whatever and I know and I have these conversations I don't know a single one who doesn't hasn't had the same experience 
Right. You know, I've just never met that person. That includes people who are Republicans. That includes, you know, I mean, it's not, you're not, you're not creating a space and they just don't feel comfortable talking to you about it. I mean, that's, that's, that's the bottom line. I mean, I just don't believe you. I I don't believe that there, that this person exists. That's just like, yeah, everything's, nothing's ever happened to me. Like I've never been mistreated I've never no one's ever said it you know what I mean it's just like it's so I I would say like you're telling us so much about you when you say something like that um Uh you're not really telling us that much about the other people um and Uh you know and I think the idea that like oh I'm married to a black person so I could never have any you know racist ideas or i have a black child that's like me that's like that'd be like my fiance saying um i'm engaged to a woman i there's no way i could ever have any misogynist thoughts exactly like that's ridiculous yes, absolutely. Like, like we all grew up in this culture i do think the big problem is is that people and i think this was a problem for me too until i understood it it's like what does racism mean what does it mean to be racist you know and and that when we hear racist for the white person we hear like kkk you know yes. we hear like you're gonna burn a crop on your lawn right um, and right. it's like and like that's not what it means it just means no. i mean it can mean that you know but right. it's like but what it generally means is like we just grew up in a culture that values whiteness over everything else. And that's just the norm. And yeah. it's, and everything is measured against that. And you just, it's nothing that you've done. You know what I mean? Like you have just right. absorbed, you know, yes. a bunch of information and, you know, and I do, and I, and you have, you know, and it, it's, and you're also influenced by where you grow up and who your family yes. is and you've learned Absolutely. all these things and all we're asking is to, for you to unlearn them. Absolutely. You know, I like to, I like to say that these things, you know, are on a spectrum. You know, you have the spectrum of, you know, just the white stay-at-home mom who, you know, who can afford her child to, to go to a private school or what have you, all the way to, you know, KKK burning crime. Like, there's a spectrum, right? you know, and regardless of where you are on the spectrum, you're still you know, like you said, brought up in this country. And, and I mean, the country was founded on, you know, racist ideologies and, and you know, like you said, um, uh, bettering uh, white lives over black lives and, and whatnot. So I just like to use the word spectrum. Yeah. You know, yeah. and perhaps right. that'll help yeah. people to not be so offensive by that. But yeah. But yeah. yeah, I think that people <laughs> just have to like, um, just, ex- yeah, I, I think, I do think like even white supremacy, you know, people are like, whoa, whoa, whoa white supremacy. And, and I kind of had the same reaction when people started saying white supremacy. But then when I had it explained to me, it's just like, well, yeah, of course we are a white supremacist country because again, it doesn't mean Hitler. It doesn't mean right. KKK. It can mean that. But generally right. speaking, it just means that what we measure everything against, the standard we measure everything against is white. And go. so it's like, so you're just, you know, like if you're not doing it that way, then it's conceived, it seems like off or wrong or less than, you know, those kinds of things. And when you look at it like that, I just, it's kind of hard to deny that, you know, just, just for things that like the simplest things, like, you know, 
that it used to be not that long ago for nylons, you know, like the nude color was for white, it was just for white people. Like it just, yeah. it doesn't mean, it's yeah. just like, just to show you that like, it doesn't even, nobody even thinks about that. You know what I mean? Like that, oh, there's other people with different color skin or, you know, um, foundations or, you know, for your, for makeup. I mean, it just shows like, we just, that's what we make our ideal, you know? And so, um, yeah. yeah. And so if people could understand that, I think maybe they would be less defensive and they would, you know, um, but, but for so long, I think, we've been, you know, we've ingrained it in people that that, you know, racist means you're calling people the N word or whatever, you know, and it's just like, and if you're not doing that, then everything's great. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Well, for the sake of time, I really want to leave room for you to talk about your book. Um, it, you're working on it as we speak, mm-hmm. um, and it's called Grace. Tell me the inspiration or just how this book um, came to be or, you know, yeah. how did you come up with the idea for this book? Yeah. I actually don't know what the title is yet, but it is about grace. That's okay. Yeah. It's just about, it's about, it's about how to bring more grace into our sort of toxic culture. And the way it came about was I realized that I needed to do that. You know, that I was becoming, you know, I was participating sort of in the toxic nature of it. And Um, was really starting to just have so much contempt for people that I disagreed with. And I just was like, I can't live like this. It's like corrosive, you know? And, um, and it's, and it's just also sort of antithetical to my like religious beliefs and, you know, ethical beliefs and everything else. And so I, um, so that's kind of where it came from. And then the more I talked to people, people were like, yes, oh my gosh, you know, this is like, I can't, you know, I just, you know, so many people who have like family members who, you know, think differently than them politically or, you know, all, all the different things of how do you navigate not like hating everybody, you know, oh. just not like feeling right. like, yeah. And so that's, that's the idea of the book. And so it's something that's partially, and I, so I made a decision, you know, about a year and a half ago that I was going to like personally start working on this for myself, you know, and um, try to see what it would be like if I could start, you know, responding more gracefully to people speaking more gracefully. But at the same time, I feel like there's a lot of confusion about grace because people, like even when I posted about it on my Instagram page, people were like, oh, great. So you're going to tell us like we have to be nice, you know, have to be nice to everybody or, you know, we can't criticize racists or we can't do that. It's like, no, that's not what grace is. Like that, like, like, you know, the best, best models for grace are Gandhi and, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. Like. So like, don't tell me they were just like being nice to everybody. Like they were speaking truth and they were confronting people and they were challenging people, but they were doing it without contempt, you know, and, and they were extremely successful doing what they're doing that, you know? So it's, um, it's not, a it's a model for sort of retaining your humanity, but also for, I think, successful social change, you know, that, um, this idea that by, you know, name calling or, you know, 
just piling on people or dragging ah. them or all these things are somehow helping society. It's just like, it's mm -hmm. just not, and it's not, and I just, do people really feel that good after they do that? Cause I can tell you, I didn't, you know, right. I just right. felt like angry all the time and like tired and depressed yes. and yes. you know, it's just a <laughs> lot of negative energy. Um, yes. and so it's like, how do we have social change, but still, you know, do it with grace and do it in a way that like you are you are being very clear and you are being you know very um you know speaking up when things happen but also not you know trying to annihilate the people that you disagree with um, which is <laughs> <I> know, <right? laughs> kind of what we're doing okay so can you share because because not everyone of course is going to be you know the next gandhi or the next <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So can you just share like a tidbit, like maybe one piece of advice or, or a tip on what we can do just as, you know, everyday ordinary people to extend more grace to each other? Well, I, unfortunately, I don't think it's a, just a one thing. That's a thing. It's um, because, and then I, and my argument really is not that, you know, my working title actually is grace-ish, like I-S-H. Okay. Meaning, uh -huh. like, we don't have to be, you know, MLK or Gandhi or Mother Teresa or whoever, you know what I mean? Like, we just have right. to be a little bit better. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I think if we can just, like, we can do better than this. Um, uh -huh. We don't have to be full on sainthood. Um, right. But we can do better. But the thing that I think I have realized just in the interviews I've been doing and reading and stuff, it's like, you know, it's a process. You have to get yourself. I mean, there's a lot of different things you can do. One thing is I would say really, you know, spend a lot less time. Don't go on Twitter. Like I just, you know, I just, you know, or really limit your time. Um, make a decision to only interact with people gracefully. And if you can't do it, don't do it. You know, um, you know, to really become aware of, you know, why you're doing the things that you're doing. I mean, I'm going to have a lot in there on, on trauma and how much of our, how much of this is us acting out our trauma and taking it out on other people, you know, Absolutely. so do the work on yourself. Like, so stop taking out all your shit on other people, excuse me, but, <laughs> um, yes. you know, it's like, yeah. And, um, which I was doing, I can tell you, I was absolutely doing. And, um, and then I think, you know, I think if you want to get to the next level, you know, then, you know, I interviewed um, Ruby Sales, who's a, you know, civil rights icon. Um, and she said something, I've been reading John Lewis's memoir as well. And um, she said something that's also in his book, which is like, you know, they, they had a lot of training. So yeah. they didn't, because when I said to her, when I interviewed her, I said, how come, I don't get it though. How can you be so loving to like, you know, towards people who want to dehumanize you or whatever? And she's just like, I said, was there any point where you thought this? And she's like, I didn't have any teacher that ever would have tolerated that, you know, um, mm. because the whole nonviolence movement was based on love. Yes. And and so, you know, she talked about, and then John Lewis talks about it, you know, in his book of, and I think a lot of us who, you know, read about the civil rights movement know this, but it's just a good yeah. reminder that, you know, they went day after day, these trainings, you know, where they gamed everything out. Like, you're going to be called this word, that word, you're going to be kicked in the face, you're going to be spit on, you're going to be, yes. dogs are going to be, how are you going to respond with love? 
Mm. You know, and so it was like a rigorous training that they went through. Yes. Um, yes. Very strategic. You know, yeah. a lot of a lot of forethought and a lot of you know vision. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that they really and that they really believed that like they weren't going to become what they hated. You know, mm. they weren't going to let people who treated them that way degrade themselves. You know. Um, yes. it's still, it's still like, it just, it blows my mind, you know, it's still like, I just, when I read about it, I'm like, I just, wow, you know, that's next level stuff, you know, where, right. you, where John Lewis is saying, I have no, I had no bitterness towards the police officers who beat me unconscious, you know, you're just like, that is just, it is just next level. That is just on another level. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I the age of social media where you have these people who just want to you know self self-appoint and self-anoint themselves as the next you know whoever you know mm -hmm. they they get that training or that mentorship or that um mm -hmm. you know and and so i think like what you said you get a lot of toxicity in terms of you know just spewing anger and bitterness um yeah. but like you said a lot of, a lot of these people who um were part of movements that really made shifts and, and and changes in our culture and society it was very strategic it wasn't just you know didn't just come out of thin air and oh i'm just gonna decide yeah. to do this years of preparation and and prayer and forethought and you know like i said vision so yeah yeah so when when can we expect the release of this book? Sometime next year. So I'm oh. hand, I'm handing it in in October, God willing. <laughs> um, okay. And then yeah, sometime next year, whenever, however long it takes them to get it out. So, um, but it's um, yeah, it's been an interesting project, and it's been very, like I, it's affected me a lot. You know, I think wow. the whole process wow. of, and also making me look back at things I've done and I'm like, wow, you know, mm -hmm. that was yeah. not okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, because, well, for me, I'm always doing it in, you know, in the name of standing up for something right or just, right? And so, <laughs> and sometimes that can, you can, you know, you can use that to justify all sorts of stuff. True. Um, and again, I look, and then you look at these people that I admire and I'm like, well, they weren't doing this to people, you know, mm -hmm. and they were being treated much more badly than I am. Right. Um, right. Or, or even frankly, the people I'm standing up for half the time, you know, so, mm -hmm. um, yeah, having to really like take a look at that and just seeing a lot of things differently. And, um, so yeah, but just got to get it done. Yeah, well, I look forward to reading it. I, I really do. It, it sounds like something um, that is much needed um, and, is, and is definitely for our time, for this time, for this age and season, not just of, uh, of our country, but the world. Um, you know, even with this pandemic, mm -hmm. how this is being used to, to fight one another, you know, who, who wears a mask and who doesn't right. wear a mask. I mean, it's just crazy how the simple things can easily be turned into weapons um, yeah. towards each other. So I, I commend you for writing something like this because it's 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 really needed. Oh, thank um, you. 
Yeah, so thank you for, for being here and for honoring me um, with this interview. I, I feel like I've, I've hit the lottery. <laughs> oh, you're so cute. <laughs> well, thank so, you for having um, me. Oh, you're, you're welcome. And I wish you the best um, with your, you know, your engagement and um, as well as the writing of your book. From what I understand, it, it can be a tedious process, yes. writing a book and, and really like wanting everything, you know, just wanting to put everything out on the pages, so to speak, that can be exhausting. So, um, yeah, just remind yourself to extend grace to yourself. During yeah. This. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kirsten. Sure thing. Okay. Bye bye. Mm -hmm. Bye bye. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Black, White, and in Color. If you'd like to give a donation, leave a comment or any feedback whatsoever, you can do so at ladyalamu at gmail.com. Again, that's ladyalamu. A-L-A-M-U at gmail.com.